All right, you guys, I am currently struggling with a pinched nerve in my neck. And if you have ever had one, you know the pain. So I am feeling super thankful for today's sponsor, Tanasi. Tanasi's CBD, CBDA is two times better than CBD alone and better than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. It helps soothe and relieve my aches and pains like my pinched nerve, and it's great for sleep and anxiety, so I put it on right before bed. Tanasi was discovered by a team of chemists and biologists at Middle Tennessee State University, and 5% of all revenue is given back to the university partner for ongoing research. It is THC-free and comes in a range of products. I love the topicals, but you can also choose from soft gels, gummies, and tinctures. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Try Tanasi for 30 days, and if you don't love it, you get a full refund. Go to Tanasi.com and use code MOM to get 25% off at checkout. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with promo code MOM. Since learning the truth about alcohol over four years ago, I've become pretty skeptical about anything that seems too good to be true. You know, like alcohol. If you're like me and you can spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away, congrats, you're a skeptic too. Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds our standards. I take Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus every morning because it has high-quality and traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. It's gentle on an empty stomach and has a minty essence in every bottle that helps make taking my multis actually enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com forward slash sober mom. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash sober mom for 25% off. Hi, welcome to the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne of My Kind of Sweet and the Sober Mom Life on Instagram. If you are a mama who has questioned your relationship with alcohol at times, if you're wondering if maybe it's making motherhood harder, this is for you. I will be having candid, honest, funny conversations with other moms who have also thought, hmm, maybe motherhood is better without alcohol. Is it possible? We'll chat and we'll talk about all things sobriety and how we've found freedom in sobriety I don't consider myself an alcoholic. You don't have to either. And maybe life is brighter without alcohol. I hope you will join us on this journey and I'm so excited to get started. Hello, happy Friday. Welcome to our special episode of the Real Sober Mom Chats. It's like the Real Housewives, but without the booze and the bad drama and the fillers. How's that? I have heard so much feedback about the sober moms. You guys love the stories from real moms who are in it, who are figuring out, who are maybe sober curious. They're talking about their journeys, and that's what this is. We are bringing you moms from the Sober Mom Life Cafe. All of these moms connect over there. If you want to come and join us, it's $15 a month, and you get, first of all, you get to sign up to share your story on the Real Sober Mom Chat. That link to join the cafe is in the show notes. You also get weekly Zoom meetings. You get 
Discord chat where you can chat with moms just like you all day long. Book club, you get bonus podcast episodes. It's just a huge party over there. Come and join us. And I know you will enjoy this episode of the Real Sober Mom Chats. Jennifer, welcome to the Real Sober Mom Chats on the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm so happy to have you. Yes. Thank you, sweet friend. Yes. Oh, yay. Sweet friend. I love it. I'm so excited to hear your story. And I always say this before we can talk about where you are now and the freedom and sobriety and all of that. Let's go back and let's let's talk about alcohol, that nasty bitch. <laughs> Let's talk about it. She was a nasty bitch. And, you know, for me, it never was hard liquor. It was always beer. So I was like, there is no way I can be an alcoholic because I don't like wine. I don't like liquor. But when you're drinking 36 beers a day, it's a problem. Yes. like, And I think the kind of, oh, man. Just making excuses for alcohol and saying like, well, it's not wine and I'm not drinking hard liquor. I'm not drinking whatever, whatever it is that we do. I'm not drinking during the week or I'm not drinking alone or I'm not drinking in the morning. There are all these like kind of caveats that we put in place to say like nothing to see here. But the truth is it's all it's all addictive and it's all alcohol. So, yeah. Totally. So I began drinking, obviously, at a very young age. I mean, I live in Upper Michigan. Like, that's what our lifestyle revolves around up here is alcohol, because there's nothing to do but go to the bars and drink with your friends. Like, that is it. So I started, and, you know, for me, it was always very social. I could not drink. I could drink. Like, it was never a daily thing. And then... Like I say it like a rubber band snapped Mm. and I needed to have it in my life. I couldn't even tell you what happened or what point that was at, but something snapped. And it was like my social drinking went from drinking every day after work and my drinking every day after work escalated. And then I'd wake up in the morning and I'd be shaking and I'd be like, okay, I need something to take the edge off. So then I was drinking before work. Then I found myself drinking on noon at work. And it was just like this crazy snowball that happened that I it just got out of control. And that's so interesting. I mean, everything that we know about alcohol, that makes so much sense, right? And we could say yeah. like, well, we don't know what happened. But what happened is it's addictive. Like it's highly, highly addictive. And so we're not surprised when a smoker starts smoking more, right? We're not surprised when like a if you do cocaine, you want to do it more. But alcohol, we think that there's this barrier that it's like, if I start drinking more, it's a weakness in me. And it's like, no, it's the substance. The more you drink it, the more you're going to want to drink it until you need it. Yes. For me, it became a need. It wasn't a want anymore. It was a need to have it in my life. And that's when I was like, oh, this is scary. And I remember driving down the road And I was drinking because, fun fact, I only drank in my car, which is terrifying. And I 10 out of 10 don't recommend it. But 
this was like my safe space where no one could find me doing it. Oh, wow. You know, like I didn't do it at my house because someone could walk in and see me drinking. But if I was in my car, I knew I was alone and I was embarrassed about it. And I remember pulling over to throw up on the side of the road. Disgusting, but true story. And I remember just sobbing and like praying to God, like, why can't I stop? Like, this is awful. I hate this. But why can't I stop it? It was true insanity. Mm. I keep going back to it. It just makes so much sense, right? It just makes so much sense why you can't and you can stop, but why it's so damn hard to stop an addictive substance, why why it's a struggle. How long ago was this? So I will be seven years sober in May. Oh, my God. Seven years. Yes. So it took an intervention of my family. How did that happen? So, like, here's the thing. I had everything. I had the job. I had the house. I had the boyfriend. I had the dog. I had it all. Like, anyone looking at my life was probably like, oh, my God, she has it all. Like, why would she blow it all away, you know? And I remember my sister had just had a baby. And my sister and my mom used to have, like, code words for when I was drunk like biscuit. So they would be like, Oh, biscuit. But I had no idea what was going on. Oh yeah. So they were always like calling me out. And I was like, what? So one day my sister came to my house and was like, look, here it is. You're going into treatment. And I was like, but I'm not drunk. And she's like, okay, you're hammered. You're going into treatment. Here's the number, call them. And I was like, but I'm not an alcoholic. And she just She finally was like, we're done with you. Mm. Like, you will not see your nephew. You will not see your family. We will not be interacting because we can't help you. And it was eye-opening. So I was like, fine, I'll go to treatment, but I'm not going to like it. And I am not an alcoholic. So I ended up checking myself into treatment at a wonderful facility called Hazelden in Center City, Minnesota at Betty Ford. And I remember getting there and like just chatting with women about like I would hide beer in the wheel well in my car or in like my Christmas tree container. Like I would it was like an Easter egg hunt at my house and talking with all the women there. I was like. This is so normal, but it's not right. Mm, yes. And so you realized like you weren't the only one struggling. Like you, yes, and all of the hiding and all of the inner shame and all of the shit, right? That we think that we are the yes. only ones who deal with. It's so freeing to be like, okay, I'm going to tell the truth. Here's the truth. Here's here's where I hit it. Here's what I did. Here's here's where I drank. Here's how I felt. Here's how I needed it. And then to hear other people say, other women say, oh, yeah, me too. It's like, wait, yeah. what? Yeah. I know. I was like, this is amazing. Like, this is yeah. so wonderful. There was a lady who was 80 years old there, 80 years old. And she was like, I hit it in the back of my toilet. It kept it cold. And I <laughs> like remember that story and was like, dying laughing because I'm like, 
I mean, there were all ages. And I remember thinking, God, only losers have problems like this. And then you're there with all these amazing, like, business owners and grandmas and all of these people who are normal, just like you, but the wheels fell off. It's just, it's such an amazing experience. I'm so glad you're, you're sharing this and highlighting this because in our group, Jen has talked about this a lot, which is going to rehab. It is this like stigmatized thing about like, it's again with the shame and like, oh no, you had to quote unquote go away. Like it's this horrible. And her experience was similar in that it was like, oh wait, like to be somewhere, a safe place where you get to kind of learn to manage feelings and to tell the truth and to connect with women, it can be a beautiful experience. It is. You know, there were moms there, there were grandmas. It was just so beautiful to be able to connect with people who felt the same way that I felt. Right. And alone, right? And so you didn't want to go. You kind of went kicking and screaming and you're like, I'm going to hate this. I'll go just to shut you up pretty much, right? Exactly. How long did it take for that to kind of turn once you were there? So for me, it took a week in detox because I was like, I'll detox right away. No, (laughs) it took me a week to detox. And I was like, you know, I had gotten a DUI. So that also was a big thing is my DUI. And I realized that, you know, I might just have a problem. And then once you get in those circles and they're talking about being alcoholics and, you know, once you say that word, it's like a weight lifts. Okay. So this is a good perspective too, because, you know, I mean, I never have called myself that. I don't find power in that, but I know that there are women who do. And so I'm glad that you're sharing this story from that perspective because I can't just because that's not my perspective. And so when you said that, like when you said, I'm an alcoholic, you felt a weight lifted off you. Yes. I was like, oh, this is like part of my identity now. And my mission in being an alcoholic is to be open and honest about my journey so that I can make other people feel like they aren't alone in it. Like if I can be an alcoholic, the girl who had it all, then it's okay. Like it touches everyone. Alcoholism does not discriminate. It does not pick you based on like race, gender, like where your income is at. It just, it happens and it's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's the substance, right? Yes. It's not your willpower. It's not your worth. It's not about your value. It's not about anything. It's just not about a weakness. It's about leaning on a substance that is very, very highly addictive. And then it does its thing. Yes. Alcohol comes in to do its addictive thing. Yeah. Yes. It takes a hold of you. It truly does. It just eats you up and spits you out. Yeah. And so you you connected with women in there and you felt that weight kind of lift off of, off of you once you said that. How was it then after you came out? How was it? So I was in there for six weeks. I went for the four-week program and then I did two weeks in like an outpatient. And coming home was terrifying, I'm going to be honest, because I knew I was coming back to everything that like kind of made me drink. And I remember we had a big party when I came home. It was the 4th of July. And my grandpa screams across the lawn, 
hey, you on the sober train still? And I'm like, yeah, hey, Grandpa. (laughs) Oh, Grandpa. (laughs) Yep. Fourth of July. Talk about just like throwing you into the fire, right? You go from your safe little bubble into like a Fourth of July party. That's that's rough. Yeah. It was, but you know, we made it. My dad gave me a hug and he smelled like beer, which was my drink of choice. And I was like, you need to get away from me before I lick you. Yeah. Like just walk away. Yeah. Oh yeah. The smell, right? You take your beer breath away from me. Yes. Yes. Isn't it funny? And like, once you don't drink, yeah. When you stop drinking, that smell can like, I, you could smell it from a mile away. You're like, oh, holy shit. I can smell this so clearly now. Yeah. Yes. With people like the next day after they go out at night, I'm like, oh, you were drinking last night. And they're yeah. like, how do yes. you know? Because I can smell it. I could smell it coming out of your pores. Like yeah. in the gym. I hate that too. I've been like on the treadmill next to somebody and I can just smell them sweating out the alcohol. And it's that kind of like sour, almost like bacon or like bologna smell. I'm like, no, gross. Yeah. Like you smell like a sweaty sausage. Please yeah. move. Yes, that's what exactly. <laughs> Just think about that the next time you guys want to drink, okay? You don't want to smell like a sweaty sausage. <laughs> no, walk away. Oh, yes. How did it go getting back into life? I mean, for me, because I drank in my car, like driving was a big thing to like start to drive yeah. again and like have those cravings while I was driving or when I was stressed. It was a lot. But when I first got home, I chose to go to AA. So Mm -hmm. I went to AA like once a week, twice a week. We're from a very small town. So there isn't a lot of options. So I had to find other ways to keep myself busy and distracted from like the urge to drink. So honestly, I got into network marketing. Okay. Because I just needed to find a busy space in a space of women who didn't judge me. When you get home from going to rehab, your friends, some of them, most of them might be your drinking buddies and you need to like create a new group. Yeah. You need community. Yeah. Yes. Which is why I'm so happy that I found your page. Oh, I'm so glad too. Yeah. You need that community. And if you don't have it, if you're from a small town like me, you need to find it elsewhere. Yeah, it's so true. And online counts. If you don't have it yeah. in real life, start online because then it really does like way leads on to way and, and you will find your people, but just start online. Exactly. Like mm-hmm. they are out there. Like, and that was what I experienced when I got home is all of my friends are like, we don't know what to do with you now. Yeah. And you can so understand it from their point of view, right? Where it's like, oh, yeah. we either like, we don't want to examine our relationship with alcohol. We're not ready. We're not there. We never will be. We're not interested, whatever it may be. And now you're different. So like you've changed. And so you can understand yeah. from their point of view, but then also from your point of view. And you're like, well, is that all it was? Right? Like, did you only like me because exactly. we were drinking the same thing? Exactly. I was like, was I only the fun friend to you? Like, what Mm -hmm. is this? And when I came home, like other people drinking around me was never a trigger. I was very blessed in that sense that I was like, you do you boo, but I'm going to do me. 
so that was never like a trigger. So I was never like, oh, you can't ever drink around me. So it was very interesting, like with the relationships coming home to at all. Were you able to maintain some of those friendships or was it pretty much eye opening in, you know, what what the goal was? It was very eye opening and what the goal was. I mean, I still don't talk to my friends from the past. There are very few that I have because I've just learned to tighten my circle and keep the people that support me close because that's what matters. Yes. I mean, I'm all about quality over quantity. And I think when we're drinking, we do tend to be friend collectors. You know, it's like surround yourself. Oh, you drink too. You're a party girl too. Okay, good. Come on in. You, you're you in. You're in. And then, yeah, when, when you flip the script and then they're like, wait, and you're like, yeah, I'm not that anymore. And they're like, okay, because they are still in their collecting friend phase. And then you're like, yeah, I, I, I'm not a collector anymore. <laughs> no, I put all of those little trinkets back. Yeah. They're all gone now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> Put them back on the shelf. Oh yeah, my God. They're, they're just sitting pretty. Yeah, good. Good. And so then you just slowly, it sounds like you like slowly start to build a sober life, like a full sober life. Yes, it was crazy. They told me when I got out of treatment, you know, don't do anything crazy, like six months just, and I got pregnant. Okay. So. <laughs> I got pregnant right out of rehab, and as scary as it was, biggest blessing of my life. Because I never want my kids to see mom that way. Yes. Yeah, so you stopped drinking before you had kids, so you never you never had the mommy wine culture thing, which is amazing no. that you, yes, that you were like, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to fall. I've been there. I'm not going to fall into that. No. That is definitely a place I never want to revisit. And I mean, I I went to AA for a good like five years, but then it dropped off and it's fine. And I'm maintaining and I found online groups that are super supportive that I can visit. And, you know, the in-person is not something I need anymore that stopped with COVID. And how lucky are we? that we have the internet nowadays and we have groups like this that we can visit and talk with people and connect about things that we're going through that other people might not understand. Totally. I think this story is pretty common in that like if you stopped drinking a while ago, kind of before the sober curiosity internet, you know, Instagram craze, that AA did provide this community right off the bat. And it's very, you know, like the intensity of the support that you need right away. And then after a few years, you're like, okay, I no longer have to kind of declare myself powerless to alcohol because, you know, that's no longer in my life. Like it seems that that's kind of a a common thing, whereas AA might put alcohol front and center and like kind of focusing on it. And then you saying like, hold on, like I, I don't need this anymore. Thank you for all the tools and the tricks and everything getting me this far, but I, I'm good, right? Yeah. I've seen that a lot. And I know I know what the AA community would say is that you know, oh, well, you think you're good and you take your eye off of it and watch out like it's coming for you, right? Like you will never be truly free and good for you for, you know, 
taking matters into your own. And I'm like, take a rest. I've got this. Right. Yeah. You don't know me better than I know me. Exactly. And I know that it's always available if I were to ever need it again. But just for me and the point I'm at in my life, I would rather do it in online communities like this. Yeah. No, I think that makes so much sense. I mean, your story is so inspiring. And now you're seven years, seven years into it. Like you're rocking and rolling. And you you have one kid? I have two little boys, three and five. They're very spicy. They are the sweetest. I just, I love being a mom and I love being able to remember memories. Like I think about all the times I would have been drinking at like Christmas or Easter or any excuse that I had at a holiday to drink. I don't do that. So I will always remember what happened, which I am so grateful for. You know, I think, I think it was Kelly Corgan, who's one of my favorite authors who said that moms are the memory keepers, right? Like, yes. Dads, I mean, and and this is to generalize, right? I'm sure in some households this isn't the case, but generally speaking, I think I think moms just we pay attention to so much more, especially yes. when it comes to memories and our kids. And like our kids are not going to remember, right? Your three and five year old, as much as we want them to remember stuff, they're just not like my, you know, my nine year old now, I'll be like, oh my God, don't you remember her? You were best friends with her when you were four. And she was like, never seen her before in my life. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, you obviously don't remember, <laughs> but I do, <laughs> you know? And do. I'm like, oh, Oh, how do you not remember that? But they just are not gonna remember. And so, yeah, moms are the memory keepers. And like, what a gift that we're able to have a clear mind and not let alcohol fuck all that shit up. Well, exactly. I think about the times that I'm like taking pictures and I'm like, I would probably be sipping on a beer right now instead of capturing this, you know? Yes. So I'm just so grateful that. My children have never had to witness that in me. Yes. I'm sure they'll witness a lot of other things. Their new favorite word is the F word. I mean, you know. That's my fault, you know. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) It's so hard not to laugh. Like, I feel like it gets worse with each one. Like, with my oldest, you know, like, I was, like, very, like, she didn't have sugar until she was, like, two and like second one you're like oh, okay whatever third one I, I'm like I don't know where he is half the time and I don't know what he's doing and he'll say stuff and I'm like oh my gosh <laughs> we just all do the best we can <laughs> we do we totally do everyone's out there just making it work yeah so what would you tell someone if if this is their first kind of sober holiday Going into Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Christmas, the holidays, what would you what would you tell them now that you have seven years? Like that's such a you're such a wealth of knowledge. So for me, going into holidays, mocktails were key. Like I made myself mocktails because it I could put it in a wine glass. It wasn't alcoholic, but it still made me feel like I wasn't standing out. Yes. So For me, I always brought a mocktail to the party. I always have, you know, people add alcohol if you wish, but I always have a mocktail just because it gives me comfort. 
That's so true. And and then you're not – if you feel like you're a sore thumb, you know, drinking a bottle of water or something like that, that yes. helps so much. If you're – and then you don't have to declare anything. You don't have to, like, shout. You, you're not wearing a sign that says, I'm sober. Yes. I think the most empowering thing about being sober is owning that you're sober. Yes. Yes. I think once you own that, like, I'm a sober girl. There's something so empowering about being able to just say that to people. And I feel like, you know, once you say, oh, no, I'm sober, like people are usually like good for you versus what the hell. Yes. Although there will be those few. Yes. But I have, I'm an alcoholic in my back pocket and people usually don't question that one. (laughs) Right. Right. That Okay. So you start out with like, I'm a sober girl. I'm sober. And then yeah. for the assholes, you pull out the, okay, if you really yeah, want no, to know, you're fine. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, shut them up. Yes. I have been to holiday work parties where people have really pushed it. And I'm like, no, like I'm a raging alcoholic. You, I am not <laughs> drinking. Yes. No, that's good because, uh, It is wild. I like that you said like normally because it is. I would say the majority of people aren't going to – unless they are in their cups or like wasted, right? Unless they are like assholes or wasted. But yes, normally they're going to be like, oh, okay, and then just keep it moving because you are not the starring role in their lives, right? They they are focused on themselves and like whatever. Yes, but if they're going to push you into discomfort, right? Because that's not comfortable for somebody to be pushing alcohol on somebody. And it's like, okay, I'll push the discomfort right back on to you. I love it. Then you got to get sassy. Yeah, you do. I mean, I love getting sassy anyway. (laughs) I do too. I have no problem. Yes. And owning it is the best. I think that for me, that's when it really felt like, okay, I'm doing this. Like, this is who I am now. I am someone who doesn't drink. I am sober. And rather than just like, I'm just not drinking right now, or I'm on medicine, or, you know, who knows, maybe they'll think I'm pregnant or something. It's just like, no. I love it. Oh my God, Jennifer, I love your story. It's going to help so many women. I think the more that we can, you know, release the stigma from saying I need help from going to get help from going to rehab and learning about our relationship with alcohol and really facing it head on and connecting with women. And then if it feels good to declare yourself an alcoholic, if you find power in that and then realizing when maybe it doesn't feel as powerful, finding your own path. I mean, your story has it all. And I just am so honored that you shared it. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you, my dear. You're just the sweetest. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Sober Mom Life. If you loved it, please rate and review it wherever you listen. Five stars is amazing. Also, follow me on Instagram at The Sober Mom Life. Okay, I'll see you next week. I'm going to go reheat my coffee. Bye. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. 
We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there.